Welcome to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast, where all things football are injected right to your veins. With your hosts, Matt Donnelly, Calvin Shoemake, and Jeff Mueller. What is up and welcome to a brand spanking new series by the Dynasty Vipers. I'm in the driver's seat. We've had a peaceful transition of power from Matt to me for this podcast here, this live stream. I am going to be your host for this series. We're going to cover all 32 teams, but not just from a fantasy analyst. Yes, we've got some great fantasy analysts coming up. But those fantasy analysts are also fans of the teams we are going to be covering. So what better way to start this off than with Matt Donnelly? You probably know him as Dingus. We're hoping some Dingus comes out here tonight, not just the Matt Donnelly version. And of course, excited to have to join us Sal Lito. He is a man of many talents. Many of you know Sal. Sal, tell the people a little bit about yourself and where they can find you. Yeah, of course. You know, these days I'm just hanging out on on Twitter. So at Salito FF, as you see on the screen, um, I do the Wednesday night. Uh, usually, it's usually Wednesday night um, on the Daily DFS podcast for RotoViz. Uh, TJ Calkins and I have been doing the playoff episodes on Thursday night, so you can catch me Thursday night with TJ tomorrow doing that episode. And of course, I become most well known for the SFB Podathon, which is uh, something I'd be, I'm really proud of and something I'm happy to be known for. So we are already starting to schedule that. As I've said on some other podcasts, if you're seeing this now and you want to be on, start sending out your requests because I need to put that show together early this year. Sorry, sorry, Matty. I, I talked over you. Yeah, what's up, Matt? Excited to have you on here. Talk some Raiders. Let's go. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I was just gonna say that I'm putting, consider this my formal request right now. Uh, see if I still get around that midnight hour like last year. Maybe we get a little bit of a, a bump up going into uh, 2021 SFB Potathon, but uh, we'll get you midnight in the, uh, in the East Coast instead of Canada, Canada Coast. If, if midnight East Coast, I can, I can deal with that. That's like 10 o'clock my time. That, that's fantastic. That, that's, a, that's an upgrade. I think it was both. Oh, was it one or two a.m. Eastern? I think is what my slot was. Which one a.m. wasn't didn't really bother me. But we had a we had a special guest with us who was on the East Coast at the time. So uh, I was really shocked that he stayed with us for the whole time. So uh, that was fantastic. It's gonna be tough to top that from last year. Um, anyway, we got the new Twitter handle here, Matt Donnelly FF. We dropped the dingus. Try to go more of a professional look here. So we'll see if that pays off. Uh, I'm sure the people will see right through that pretty quick. <laughs> so, Sal, um, just to give everybody a little bit of, a, of an idea of what's coming here, we're going to talk a little bit about the 2020 season, just a, just kind of a brief recap. And then we're going to go into the offseason, what you expect, what you hope, what you uh, think we might see. And then we're going to give everybody a chance to tell me how much of an idiot I am when I ask you if I am too high or too low on the Raider position players. And Matt, we'll let you, you know, I love you. You know, you love your D, uh, IDP as well. So we'll let you talk about your defensive guys in here a little bit too. So, but I want to start, Sal, you're, you live in New York. 
you're a Raiders fan. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you became a Raiders fan. Uh, just some some details, your history with the team. Yeah, so I, I have an, I have two brothers, but my oldest brother was the guy I always seemed to follow as far as sports go and and who he rooted for. And he was his very first tackle football team that he played on was the ICYP Raiders in Astoria, Queens, New York. <laughs> you know, on the on the blacktop, and um and you know, so we had this like attachment to the Raiders. But my earliest football memory is Marcus Allen running in in the Super Bowl, the greatest Super Bowl play I feel I still have ever seen, the greatest Super Bowl run I have ever seen, and I fell in love with Marcus Allen. Like he is my original first favorite football player. I've been a I want to say a diehard Raiders fan ever since, even though that's a really tough thing to continue to do. But I'm loyal to my team, even if I complain about them. But as you know, when you love somebody, you can complain about them, but nobody else better get in your way and talk about them. That's right. Matt, uh, you're a Canadian that roots for the Raiders. Tell us a little bit about that story. Well, it's funny, too, because both Sal and I, we're not really in Oakland or Los Angeles or even Vegas or even near those places right now. So for me, uh, as a history kind of buff, I, I love the stories of the National Football League. And I really got hooked on the stories of the 70s Raiders, the, the characters that they had, the Kenny Stab Stablers there, uh, Stork, uh, these these guys, these, these were characters, Elzado there. The things that they would do, if you could not find a team like the Raiders to love, the 70s were your team, you know what I mean? And it just grew from there. That's how I became an Alabama fan because Stabler was the quarterback of the Raiders. I didn't have I have no association with any college down the states, but it was because Kenny Stabler being the Raiders quarterback happened to be an Alabama quarterback at one time. So that's where that connection comes in. But the stories, there's no they were the outcasts. Nobody wanted to be a Raider and nobody wanted to play the Raiders. And that's what kind of got to me as a kid here. Growing up in hockey country, being a football guy, you were the outcast, at, especially when I was growing up. There was no big-time football programs. We didn't have Pop Warner at the time. Uh, there was no tackle football association, so you were the outcast being a football fan. Plus, silver and black just looks good on anything. I, I know that's right. And, you know, it, it's true. You, being a Raider fan, it does seem like the Raiders – more than maybe any team in the NFL carry a certain attitude when you see the logo, when you see the team, when you see the uniforms, there is that that uh, silver and black attitude and you can see it in the fans. I mean, it just is a it's a really neat culture. And you mentioned Marcus Allen being your favorite player. Um, sounded like Kenny Stabler maybe there for you, Matt. Uh, are there are, is there an argument over what's the greatest moment in Raiders history? There's not a whole lot for the Saints. There's only a couple to choose from, so it's pretty small uh, here. But what about – I know Raiders have a lot of history. What would what would you say it is for the Raiders? I mean, uh, but our history is so, so in the past, right? We don't have a lot of good recent history, even the Super Bowl that we made it to in the recent uh, past was just awful to watch if you're a Raider fan watching John Gruden tramp on us as um, as our coach decided not to change any of the play calls of the coach who designed that offense on the other side. But anyway, I digress. Um, you know, for me, my earliest memory, of course, is that Super Bowl. But like Matt, I've gone back and I've seen the history of the Raiders. So those teams, the John Madden team that won the Super Bowl in the 70s, you know, in John for John Madden to go on and become – you know, Mr. Football in the 80s and, and 90s as the broadcast that everybody known and now has the most popular football video football game uh, in creation. Mm -hmm. He was a Raider first. So I, I say the Raider teams 
with John Madden that won that Super Bowl is probably probably the highlight of of the history of the team. Yeah, and you know what? As a Raiders fan, we've seen the ups and downs. With every good, there's five bad that come with it. You know what I'm saying? You know, we get the uh, ghost to the post. We get the holy roller. We get some iconic plays. But then we get that dumbass Franco Harris ball that hit the turf, and they called it a catch. That could, Then we get the tuck rule against us. Like, There's so many things. As soon as something good happens, you know there's something negative coming. That's just the Raider way, it seems. Uh, we get gifts like... Marcus Allen, and then we get the whole uh, Al Davis versus Marcus Allen that forces Marcus mm. Allen into Kansas City of all places. The worst, one of the worst things in my life that I had to witness: Marcus Allen in a Kansas City uniform. Oh, it was bad. It, it was rough, and especially Sal said we watched him pretty much win us a Super Bowl. Like that, that run is iconic. That's probably one of the most iconic runs, as well as the Bo Jackson. See you later. But then what happens? Mm-hmm. To Bo Jackson, we lose one of the greatest players ever to play the game way before his time. It just seems to be one of the things that goes on with the Raiders. And that's probably why you see so many Raiders fans that have that us versus them kind of mentality. Uh, It's the Raider nation versus everyone else. We've had that since the seventies. That's been the attitude as the outcasts. So, and that's perfect. Like that shirt says it all right there. Sal shirt there, the nation versus everybody for anybody listening on the uh, podcast. So that that takes us from the, you know, the John Madden era. The you know, talked about Kenny Stabler. We're talking about Marcus Allen. Now we've got Mike Mayock. We've got John Gruden. We've got a very different crew in there. Um, before we get quite into, I guess, the some of our 2020 notes here on our categories. Sal, you, you seem like you got something on your chest for the 2020 season you want to get off. You know, listen, it's just um, I didn't want John Gruden back when John Gruden was said to be when he was named the coach. I I was outspoken about I didn't want him back. I felt like the game passed him by. I felt like it was just time to move on to a more modern day coach. And he came back and I kind of I kind of boycotted that first year. When I say I boycotted that first year, I still watched, but I pretended like I was I was unhappy and I didn't pay close attention. But. I came back the following year, which was which was not the 2020 season. It was the 2019 season, and we were going in a good direction. But, again, we lost to some bad teams down the stretch, i.e. the Jets. Um, and and But but after hard knocks, I was I bought in, you know, knock on wood, all that good stuff. I, I bought back in. And, and this year, we made some decent offensive picks. We looked like we were going in the right direction. And we did the same collapse as usual. So – I'm not sold on this regime. I'm not sold on Mayock. I wasn't a big fan of Mayock when he was at the NFL Network doing the draft, so I'm not a big fan of, like, Ferrell. I got, like, the, picking a guy that nobody even expected in the top four when you had just a shot at frontline defensive players. Um, I, if I could find the list of 2019 first round, first 10 players, that guys that he passed on. So I just, I'm not sold on this regime. But I know I'm stuck with Gruden at worst because – He's got another seven years in part ownership of the team. He's not going anywhere. And Mark Davis doesn't know what he's doing as far as owning a football team. So he's more than happy to hand the reins over to those two guys. So it's just a little disappointing. I know that we're going to have to win in spite of these guys. Matt, what is this you pulled up on the screen here? This is is GrudenGoneYet.com. Since since Sal started talking about John Gruden and his rant, John Gruden has made $25. (laughs) It actually has a... So he is still owed 
30 million dollars uh right now plus or sorry he's still owed uh about 70 million yeah you 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 he's already been paid 30 million <laughs> yeah that's right that's so, crazy um, so yeah, and there's, there's obviously there's a lot that it wasn't the season that you guys were hoping for eight and eight. There was some good moments though, and you know you guys can take this however you want. We, we, let's talk about fantasy, but you know you can take this however you want this with uh, with your team. But I want to know who won the season for the Raiders. Who is the guy that that said I, I, I'm the alpha here? It's my team. Had the best, had his best year. Who's the, who won the season for the Raiders? I mean, Matt, it's pretty easy, right? I mean, it's it's Darren Waller hands down. It's not it's not even a competition, right? So Darren Waller saw the most targets for any tight end in the league. He had the most receptions for any tight end in the league, and he had two more than Kelsey. And Kelsey missed a game, so we take that for what it is. Um, Kelsey had just one of the most miraculous seasons a tight end, the most miraculous season a tight end has ever had. And he scored, Kelsey scored 312 points. Waller had 280 fantasy points. The next closest tight end after those two guys was Tunyon at 176. So Waller scored 100 plus points more. So, I mean, this is a, a no-brainer for me. Uh, and and I love the fact that Darren Waller, if, if nothing else, John Gruden did find that kid off the Ravens practice squad. He plucked him. They, they did see something in him, and he is easily a top three tight end, right? You know, you got to put Kittle in there, but he missed most of the season. But Waller, best best offensive weapon on the team, no doubt. Yeah, it, it's a no-brainer there. It's it's Darren Waller, easy. But if we want to dig a little bit deeper here, uh, I think we got to kind of give a little bit of love. I, I'm probably a little bit impartial because I still believe in Derek Carr. I think he had a very good season. I think they were seventh in the league in passing. Thanks to Darren Waller and believe it or not, Nelson Aguilar. Like he's a guy, I don't say he won it because it was obviously Darren Waller, but Aguilar was what we hoped rugs would be, so to speak. Mm. And I know, I know me and Sal were kindred spirits because when rugs was drafted, we had the exact same reaction at the exact same time. And we both screenshotted that reaction and it's identical. Not only because we had like scruff around our beards, we're both bald, but it was just like the perfect timing. Yeah, I know, I know, it's tough to believe, but if I want to dig a little deeper, I, I have to give honorable mention. Let's call it honorable mention to Nelson Aguilar for the season that he had this year. Because coming from Philly, we heard it all—the drops and this—and he couldn't catch a cold. And he's about the one player on the Raiders who will play every game because he won't catch COVID. And we, we heard all those jokes all year, but. He obviously had a pretty good season himself, and he's going to be interested as we look into this 2021 season, this preview, what the Raiders do with him. How much yeah, money is he going to demand? His name might come up here in uh, in just a minute. Let's go to the flip side. Who lost the season? What was what was the biggest disappointment for the Raiders? I hate to jump in over you every time, Matt, so you let me know if I'm, if I'm no. stepping over my bounds. No, you go first. I had, you know, before we came on, I had my Henry Ruggs jersey on. My son bought me it for Christmas, and and, and I have high hopes for Henry Ruggs, right? But like Matt said, you know, Derek Carr finished right at, right outside of uh, of a QB1 this year. He was the QB13 on the season. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, you know, Carr wasn't great, but he wasn't – he didn't lose it for us, you know. Jacobs, I expected a little bit more. I, I am a little tired of seeing Jacobs on the sideline getting his legs worked on. I want that worked out. I want whatever the hell that is worked out going forward because I do like him. I do think that he could be – you know, a three down back. I don't know that the Raiders will ever come around to using him as a three down back. So that leaves me with rugs. And, you know, in the past we would give 
first year wide receivers the opportunity to to break in. And, you know, he, he missed a couple of games due to injury, but we got we got spoiled with that big touchdown right off the bat in, in week one where he scored. And we're like, oh my God, they made the right pick. But mm-hmm. I don't want to say they didn't. He's our guy now. And that's how that goes. But you can't give him an excuse. He he saw 43 targets. He only caught 26 of them. Yes, he averaged 17.3 yards per reception, which is nice. That's mm-hmm. what we want to see from him. But you can't say, oh, first year. No, Justin Jefferson set a record for the most receiving yards in history as a rookie. In the top 50 in fantasy, Justin Jefferson, Chase Claypool, 22, C.D. Lamb, 24, Brandon Ayuk, 34th, LaVisca, 45, Judy, 46, and Darnell Mooney finished in the top 50. And all the way down at 89 was Henry Ruggs. So for me, it's definitely Ruggs who disappointed me this year. And Ruggs here, not only was he disappointed, but like like Sal said, when you see so much success about all these wide receivers drafted after you, especially when you weren't high on that pick to begin with, we watched all these guys, Jefferson and CD, and we're like, these are all guys we had highly above them. So while I agree that Ruggs is a guy, I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction, and I'm going to go with um, on the defensive side of the ball because I really thought that Corey Littleton – could have been a difference maker on the defense, hmm. and he was non-existent. Uh, uh, Kotowski, he did well. He, he came over from the Bears. He played extremely well for us this year. But Corey Littleton, coming from the Rams, I, I had high hopes for him as a linebacker, especially that guy who's going to be covering um, the running back, the tight end possibility. So I was very high on him. And then another loss I think we took is the whole Lynn Bowden experiment. Hmm. You, you draft a guy. Try him out at running back. You trade him for less than what you paid to get him. And then he goes off as a wide receiver where he should have been in the first place. So as a Raider, okay, kudos. You cut your ties early and probably got the most you possibly could have for him after you realized he wasn't your option. But when you take a look at this draft a little bit deeper, you went Brian Edwards and Lynn Bowden back to back. And we never seen either of them perform for us this year on top of rugs not performing so that's three wide receivers essentially we drafted that we got zero production out of so that's a big loss right there for the raiders this season now can that turn around next year absolutely it can turn around i still believe rugs and edwards complement each other well but they still need that they don't have that alpha receiver still they still need that alpha and uh, Troy says, what's up in the comments? What's up, Troy? We're going to be talking about your Miami Dolphins in a uh, little over a week. So I'm pumped about that. And Bob was in the chat as well. We're, we're going to get him on to talk about the Patriots. So a lot of these really cool shows coming up. Excited about this. Um, Sal, I'll since you're going to uh, you know jump in and look, if you need me to mute, mute Matt for you, I just I, I can mute him. He gave me the driver's seat. I can do all that now. So Matt's, Matt's a good guy, and he's pretty stable. I could just talk right over him. Trust yeah, me. there you go. Um, but what was, I think I kind of know what this might be, but what was the the most memorable moment of the season for you, for the Raiders? It, well, it's not the, it's not beating the chiefs for me. If if nothing you think it is, it's not beating the chiefs because we didn't finish the job after that. Right. So, Hmm. um, (laughs) so on Thanksgiving day, I sat with my brother, that same brother who's a Raiders fan. And we were, uh, six and three at that time. And I told them, I told him we were going to lose to the Falcons. And I told him we were going to lose to the Jets. They told me to shut up. I don't want to hear that. I'll talk like that. But this is what we do. We didn't lose to the Falcons. We got frigging embarrassed 
to the Falcons, a, a team that was absolutely awful. We got embarrassed. And then we come out against the Jets, and we lost that game. I don't care what anybody says. Greg Williams had a hard-on for the head coach, and he called cover one. And so for me, rugs of all people breaking free for that touchdown at the end of the game, that that moment in Twitter and talking to my brother, my brother had already turned the game off, that moment was the, was the most memorable moment of the year for me because the, I, I accepted the fact that we were losing to the Jets. My son is a Jets fan, so I figured I was going to get that rubbed in to my face because it would have been their first win. Um, but, yeah, that's for me, that was the thing that, that, that when I look back, it sticks out the most. That We had great wins. We beat the Chiefs. We beat the Browns. We beat the Saints. Guess what? They were all in the playoffs. We weren't. Matt, what about you? I think that for me, the most memorable would have been that Saints game because that was the first game, home game. I really wish they had uh, fans in the stand because I mm -hmm. probably would have tried to get myself down there. I, talk, I talked to my aunt who lives in Vegas into buying season tickets uh, for the season. She gave up her Golden Knights tickets for Raiders tickets. Um, obviously, it didn't, didn't work out so well so far, but um, that was probably a good one. To win that first game at home – Kind of getting, as a fan, being able to see the stadium, what it looked like, what it looked like inside. I think that was probably the highlight. But with all good things coming to an end, I, we mentioned the curse of being a Raiders fan. You can't have something good without something bad. And we had the tale of two halves with the Raiders, which we had the last couple seasons. Last year, uh, we started off well and then burnt out. This year, uh, as Sal said, knocked off the Chiefs, knocked off the Saints, knocked off the Browns. And then we get our... Uh, backsides handed to us by the Falcons and the Jets, really, in games that shouldn't have been that close to begin with on paper. But guess what? We're the Raiders, and this always happens. And it, it doesn't even – you're almost numb to it at this point. Wouldn't you agree with that, Sal? You're almost numb. You're like, when's it going to happen? Yeah, you come to it. Yep. Yeah. 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 And there were definitely some bright spots, though, in this next category we're going to um, – we're going to – depending on how old you are, how long you've been around fantasy, we can either call this the – the Brillen Edwards Award or the Travis Fulgham Award. Uh, just a guy that came out of nowhere that produced for your for your fantasy teams. I think you know, we got a couple of nominees. You mentioned Nelson Aguilar. Uh, I think maybe even uh, we could talk about Booker right here. But who do you think was kind of the came out of nowhere, helped the team, helped fantasy owners? Go ahead, Matt. I'll let you have this one. Yeah, no, that, that's got to be Nelson Aguilar. There's, there's no doubt about that. We were not expecting much out of him there to be before the season started um his history with the eagles would lead us to believe that he wasn't going to be a major part of this team but like i said when he turned out to be our top wide receiver and i use that term loosely because darren waller was still finished as the wide receiver six if you want to get technical so hmm. uh, for that guy coming out of nowhere for me that is definitely going to be nelson aguilar if we're looking at the on the offensive side of the ball yeah, I can't even dig to anybody else. Um, before the Raiders, before the draft last year, um, I, I picked Aguilar up for about a buck in a, <laughs> in five dynasty leagues, and you know it was a great play down the stretch. I mean, at the beginning of the year, it was more of a deep ball, you know, one hit quit touchdown type of thing. But from week eleven on, he became a legit wide receiver. He was catching five balls a week. Um, yeah, he, he finished overall as wide receiver 33 in PPR. If you play standard, like if you're a homeless person, you play standard. Uh, he finished 22nd, which is the top 24 wide receiver. So, mm -hmm. 
you know, it, it, it's nice. So there's, there's no way you could pick anybody else that came out of nowhere on this team other than Aguilar. What about, is there anybody on, on this team that you feel like, you know, we never know this stuff at the time. We, you know, we speculate, we look back, hindsight's twenty twenty. Who had their, who do you think maybe just had their best season that they're going to have that, you know, they look good, they're on top of the world, but maybe this was it. This was the, the, the pinnacle, the peak for them. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. I'm going to go right back to Aguilar here on this one too because he's a free agent. He's going to get paid, and if we're the ones who are going to pay him, that means one good thing means a negative thing on the backside, which means Aguilar maybe will never have a season like he had this past season. Uh, I think Derek Carr can continue doing what he's doing. I do believe that they still need to surround him with the proper weapons. They got him a running back. They got him a tight end. You can call Rugs what you want. Uh, I think Rugs did open things underneath for Waller a little bit. They did have to respect Rugs' speed, even though the production wasn't there. The threat of the big play is always in the back of teams. They always keep that safety a little bit deeper rather than trying to bring him in the box to defend Darren Waller. Um, so for me, yeah, it's definitely going to be Aguilar. He's going to be kind of the the wild card for me in this offseason. So speaking of the offseason, let's go ahead and turn the page now. So the season's over and just, you know, so people remember 2019 as the season ended there and you're going into 2020, the Raiders invested a lot in their offense. They brought in, you know, we, we mentioned Ruggs, we mentioned Bowden, although obviously he got traded over there to Miami, Brian Edwards. Um, there are a lot of different, uh, Jason Witten, Nelson Aguilar, they brought in Theo Riddick, they brought in Booker. I mean, they, they were just, they were bringing in everybody they could find to help that offense. Uh, and the offense actually was okay. That, you know, turn it, they, they really weren't that bad of an offense overall. The defense, though, that was much more of a struggle this year. And it seemed like the Raiders agreed as they fired their defensive coordinator and brought in Gus Bradley. What do you think about that change, Matt? I'll start with you. I think. Well, Gus, uh, Gus Bradley wouldn't have been my first choice as a defensive coordinator. I think it's a minor upgrade on Gunther, but that's not really saying a whole heck of a lot. But the truth is, the defensive side of the ball, it is not very good. Uh, Max Crosby, we got lucky on him, but that line needs a little bit of work. The linebackers, I thought we were going to get more production out of them with uh Gotowski and Littleton. The secondary, we can't keep Jonathan Abram hap, uh, healthy. And that's going to be a problem his whole career, just by the way he plays the game. He's going to get hurt. He's a thumper. He likes to go out there. You're not going to take the dog out of him, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Um, the sec, the corners, though, I do have a little bit of hope. I like Trayvon Mall. I thought he played a little bit better when he was healthy. Uh, Arnett played good in spots when he was healthy. But the problem was, it was almost like we never had the entire secondary together for any period of time there's no cohesiveness in that back end and of course when you're not getting pressure if you're not getting that pressure if the back end and the front end aren't working together and outside of max crosby getting a little bit of pressure clown farrell was not doing it arden key who because he carl nassim these are not guys that are going to get the pressure on the quarterback i think hankins uh uh hankins had a pretty Hurst and Hankins did okay in the interior for that D-line for the most part, but outside of that interior, it, it, there's a lot of work that needs to go on that defense. It's almost like they need to take a page of the Carolina Panthers offseason and just use all their draft capital on the defensive side of the ball. 
Yeah, and, and so and I feel like Matt almost spilled over into your next question. And, and yeah, I was gonna say that. Yeah, they go together, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think what we need the, the thing they need the most is a massive upgrade on defense. Uh, you brought up Gus Bradley. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. How many times did we see the Chargers lose terribly late? I mean, they couldn't hold leads. That's something we had a problem with. Now, Gruden has a history with Bradley. He gave him his first job back when he was with Tampa Bay. And I hate that. I hate just bringing in guys because you have a connection with them and they understand your system and what you've done in the past. This team gave up 45 points. They lost 45 to nothing to the New England Patriots, the Chargers did. And they know what? The Patriots scored 52 total points in the next four games after that. I'm not thrilled at all about Gus Bradley. That was not the guy that I wanted. I, I don't know. Um what great defensive coordinators were out there, but there's got to be new or younger, innovative guys that could have came in better than Gus Bradley. Again, I'll have to give it um, a, a shot, but I'm not thrilled with that. Uh, that was one of the things I would like to have been upgraded, but I agree with what Matt said about Abram. I love Abram. He's uh, he's he's our Jamal Adams, so to speak. Mm-hmm. He plays with reckless abandon, and you know he's constantly hurt. Now you can't <laughs> you can't plan for a a lift to be on the side of the sidelines that you're going to run into. That was a pretty odd injury, yeah. but he bounced back quickly from that. But I love that kid. I love his intensity. We need 10 more players on the defensive side with that intensity, but I really think they need to, uh, they don't have a ton of money in, in the cap, you know? So I think they really do need to go out and get a little bit improved on the defense. And that'll probably be what they do in a draft as well. Yeah, almost almost twenty million over the cap. Uh, projected cap is what it looks like right now. Uh, when I was doing my research, so uh, yeah, that's that's the elephant in the room for the team. They've got to figure out a way to uh, to improve that defense. And um, so then let's talk about the draft because obviously they did invest in rugs last year in the first round. In twenty twenty, there were eleven teams that took a skill position player, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Uh, is it possible? that the Raiders go back to the well, even with their need on defense? Is it possible they go back to the well on offense? Uh, Well, it's possible they make the wrong decision. Yes, this is the Raiders. We traditionally make the wrong decision. It's like the annual wrong decision of the draft that comes with being a Raider fan. Uh, Of the skill position players, listen, Matt likes uh, Derek Carr. I like Derek Carr. Derek, For me, the Derek Carr experiment is over, personally. He just doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. I wanted to see Mariota finish the season once it started. I was all in. I was team Derek. He played well. He got injured. You don't lose your job by injury. I get it. But Mariota came in, and that offense played better than it played all year, in my opinion. And there was that different element. We know today's game has the rushing element, and Mariota failed where he was in Tennessee. But this is a former – well, he was the number two overall pick that year, right? Winston went one. This is a former number two overall pick with a pedigree. And and I would have liked to have seen what he could do because we were already done for the season at that point. I want to see what he could do with this offense. So if we're not going to draft a quarterback, because there are a handful of guys and one of them could slip to 17, you know, we could see him get down. Mm-hmm. I would like to see a true open quarterback competition this year. I don't want to be handed to Derek Carr. I want him to have to earn it. And if Mariota wins it, I want him to win it. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think they go defense. I hope they go defense with that 17th pick. I've seen a couple of mocks that had uh, safety uh, Trayvon Morig there, defensive tackle Christian Barmore from Alabama. I saw McShay from early January put down Jalen Waddell. I, like, listen, 
is, is he a stud? Sure. But I think that those two guys in their egos are going to let Ruggs and Edwards play out. We have Waller, and I think they are going to resign Aguilar, Matt. I don't, I, I don't think the league still trusts Nelson Aguilar, regardless of what happened this year. So I think we get him at a decent price. I don't think we're going to pay a little bit. And I think that, you know, Renfro is obviously still there. We have four good wide receivers and young guys that we need to see play out. So I, I'm, I'm leaning something on the defensive side, hopefully a playmaker. Matt, what do you think? I'm afraid they signed Nelson Aguilar. I'm not as big on him. I think he's going to be in that eight to 10 million range, which is not terrible for a wide receiver, really. But Sal was correct. We got the wide receivers that can get us through. Derek Carr and that passing offense was still seventh in the league in passing. I, I know it's, it's when, when I found that stat, when I looked that up on the NFL, I was like, Raiders seventh in passing? Really? But then I was like, okay. And then they're 14th, I think, with the, in the run game. But those numbers were like, oh, Okay, so this offense wasn't terrible. This was probably a top 12 offense overall this season, even with Derek Carr. Um, I think you roll with him again. Now, if you can bring someone to push him, absolutely. you got to do that. you got to challenge him there. And I think that's why Mariota was kind of brought in the first place, but that never materialized as an actual true competition as what most of us on Twitter were kind of uh, anticipating it to be or wanting it to be, so to speak. Uh, I still believe in Carr, so I'm still going to roll with him. But for me, um, it, it's, it's trying to get some of this cap off our plate here right now. Uh, we've got ta- – do you really think we're going to sign um, uh, Tack McKinley? We, he's been sitting on our practice squad. The, the dude is um, not always in the right place of mind. So I don't know if he's good. Really, he, he fits the Raider profile, so to speak. Raider, <laughs> he fits that profile, but I don't know if he's what we want because he's going to be looking around nine million, and I don't think we could keep paying these guys nine million per season not to do a whole heck of a lot. Uh, looking through this cap crunch here right now, um, one guy that we're we're going to get back or we should get back is Tyrell Williams, uh, and he's counting for like eleven and a half million on the cap this year, which is a considerable cap hit. I don't know if he could be bought out with a uh, dead cap or not. I haven't really looked at the salary too much. What his is, if you void his contract and get him out of there, uh, obviously bro- uh, Edwards was brought in to replace Tyrell Williams. That was kind of why they got him in there in the first place. So maybe they can save 11 million there by getting rid of him. Uh, Tack McKinley has got a hit, but he was on the practice squad. It- it's got about trying to free this up. Cause I- there's some free agents that I think would really help the Raiders. Now I want to attack the draft on the defensive side of the ball. Well, there's some guys I really wouldn't mind taking a run at on the offensive side of the ball to see if we could possibly get them. Yeah, I think it could be really interesting to see because, you know, there is a lot of talent and there are, are some wide receivers later. But I think, you know, I love what Sal said there. I think that's right. I My having not followed the team near as closely as you guys, but just does seem like Gruden's the kind of guy who will stick with his guys and, you know, try to prove a point almost there. Um Interestingly, you you mentioned the salary cap, and I do think you're right on uh, Tyrell Williams. Uh, they could save a lot of money actually by cutting Derek Carr. They 19 million. Now I'm not saying I expect that, but he you know he's got two years left on on, on his deal. But that is really interesting. Watching what Mar- Mariota did at the end of the season, I'm with you, Sal. I kind of wanted to see what he could do, and you know, but. They would need to do that to make some move to sign one of these free agents. So tell me, this is a, a question. This is a long-winded question here, but stick, stick with me. Could this be a destination for Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, 
Jameis Winston, Allen Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, Corey Davis, Aaron Jones, Kenyon Dre, Chris Carson, Philip Lindsay, John Smith, or Hunter Henry. Excuse me. Uh, I'll let you start here, Sal. I gotta pull up this. I gotta pull up the show sheet so I can actually figure out what he was saying. We <laughs> need the big name free agents. In, in other words, are they gonna go big on some of these offensive weapons? Mine cuts off at Corey Davis, and, and and that's probably the only guy who might end up there because we typically will sign the guy who's the worst of the bunch. Um, but as far as the quarter, let's just touch on the quarterbacks. I think Deshaun is going to end up somewhere where they have a lot of draft capital to trade for him, and it's been pretty much in the news. That is either the Jets or the Dolphins. Um, I, I'm seeing some rumblings about the 49ers and the Patriots as of today, but I again, the draft capital, I feel, sits with the Jets and, and the uh, the Dolphins. Um, Dak is going to be in, with the Cowboys. There's no doubt in my mind that Dak ends up back with the Dallas Cowboys. I think Winston ends up signing back with the Saints. I, I think that this is it for Breeze, and he's back there. So I think all the, the, the quarterbacks – are spoken for. And that leaves us with a bunch of really good wide receivers that we already discussed. Number one, those guys want to go somewhere to win because they're all guys who can uh, make a team better. And the Raiders just don't have a, the aura of winning. We have that that aura of collapsing down a stretch every year. So I don't think these guys, uh, we don't have the money. We don't have the aura. Uh, we just don't have what it takes to get those guys. So I, I don't think we're, we're signing any big offensive free agents um, this year. Matt Matt may touch on some defensive guys, but uh, that's that's my opinion as far as the guys you named. Yeah, I think Deshaun Watson. He's if he doesn't somehow mend fences in Houston, uh, I think that might be too far gone by now. But stranger things have happened. But yeah, you could pretty much book him for probably the Jets, possibly the Dolphins. If I'm the Dolphins right now, I'm probably not even touching Watson as much as you'd want him there. You've got two in place, and you've got the draft capital. Keep building around that. I think you'll be fine. Plus, you're saving some money off the get-go because Watson's going to get a good chunk of change. He's, he's getting paid a good chunk of change. That would be hilarious if somehow Houston was able to sign Dak because Jerry Jones is too stubborn. Now, that would be funny. But that's not going to happen. Uh, Phil Rivers' retirement, we haven't touched on that, so that opens up a bit of a position there. But if we're looking at wide receivers – uh, I don't see the Titans letting go of their number one wide receiver. Uh, I think they still. I still think they need. Uh, uh, I think they still need Batman there to be for, uh, for Robin and AJ Brown. So uh, the numbers don't lie. Corey Davis was still the uh, top receiver in uh, Tennessee. So we'll, we'll go with that for now. Because uh, and I don't think I don't think Corey Davis would have much success as a Raider because I think he needs an alpha by his side and that's what aj brown is and the raiders don't have that alpha out there um an interesting one for me could be depending on the price aj green hmm. now we've been talking to him for a while about him being there he's not the aj green of old but this sounds like someone the raiders will go after because he's got the name He's old in the tooth. He's kind of like Jerry Rice back in the day when they got him, when they brought Jerry Rice before he went to Seattle and Denver and everywhere else on the Farewell Tour on that championship or that Super Bowl bound team where they had Tim Brown and Jerry Rice as their uh, wide receiver duo. So I could see them bringing in someone like AJ Green at a lower cost, depending on what his market looks like. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, though, I think they got. Would I love Allen Robinson? Allen Robinson would be my first. I'd be throwing all kinds of cash, but he he's going to outprice himself for us and what we have in our pocket. He's uh, done with the guy, 
quarterbacks, Matt. He's done with crappy quarterbacks. Yeah, he's he's done. He's done with that. Eh? I, I hope so. Gosh, I, I'd love to see that that guy match up with somebody who could really throw the ball, man. That'd be that'd be awesome. Um, I, I don't know how he would respond to a good quarterback, though. No. It might actually throw his game off because he has one of the greatest contested catch percentages in sports in football altogether. So uh, some guys I would maybe look at is uh, Yannick Nagaku. We need that edge rusher. Maybe he's there. He'll probably price himself out. But uh, like when we traded uh, Mac and we uh, drafted uh, Farrell, I know we were in the market for Yannick Nagaku at some point. There was kind of that rumor blowing up. But remember there was that saying that you you got to draft these good pass rushers because you just can't find good ones everywhere. Well, we, that's when we got rid of Khalil Mack. Um, looking around here, I really want to address that position. Oh, edge is one. Uh, a guy I wouldn't mind taking a run at would be a Justin Simmons um, hmm. from the Denver Broncos. To kind of, him and Jonathan Abram at safety position. No, no knock on Eric Harris and these other safeties. They came in. They played well this year. They were serviceable in the safety position. Um those are kind of the guys. Maybe a Marvin Jones is an option out there to help with the wide receivers. A little bit older in the tooth, maybe a little bit cheaper. Uh, I don't know. We don't know what Detroit's going to do. They've been talking about not bringing Stafford back, so maybe that pushes Marvin Jones out. Who knows? But there, there's some options there at the wide receiver if you want to go to the second tier of guys. Um, of course, like I'm, I'm just kind of skimming through what I can see here. Uh, I would like to bring back Hankins and our interior guys all together, but the free agency for me, even even a Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams would be a nice pickup. He came on strong for the Giants late in the season. So, like I said, we got to fix this defense before we can do anything. Well, the offense is one of the better offenses in the league, even though it was kind of boring to watch. Yeah, I like it. I think there's a lot of good things to come up here for the for the Raiders. And Matt, I know you got a hard out here in about five minutes. So um, I'm going to save a little bit more time for this going forward in the future. It's our first show like this. But just real quick. I want to run through just lightning round. Tell me if I'm too high or too low. This one I think is easy. Darren Waller, my tight end three in dynasty leagues behind Kittle and Kelsey only. What do you think? On the money. Right on. Okay. This running back. Okay. Josh Jacobs. He does have some pending legal issues that scare me a little bit. I worry he might have a little, he, he might possibly have to miss some time in the beginning of the year. I think they might address the running back position. Uh, I've got him at 14 behind Miles Sanders. I've got him behind this. I got him behind Ezekiel Elliott. That one might be a little bit tougher. And I've got him in, but I've got him in front of Aaron Jones. I got him in front of Joe Mixon. And I even have him in front of Cam Akers. What do you think? I think he's an RB too. I think you have him. I have to get him placed properly. And I think Zeke is going to prove a lot of people wrong next year. I think Zeke's going to move right back up to where he belongs. That you know he's, you know, this isn't a cowboy show. So yeah, I think you have. Uh, I think you have him right for me. He's an RB two right now. Yeah, you got him in the rough, the right in that ballpark. I got him at about uh, number nine going into the next season uh, for Dynasty, just ahead of guys like Miles Sanders and. Um, Joe Mixon because Joe Mixon I just can't trust and get behind as well. I think there's a consider there's a gap I think around eight nine ten down to about fifteen that you can interchange you guys very easily. Yeah, no, I agree. I think yeah, high high running back two, low running back one. Obviously, I think I can move him up if we see that this you know there's nothing to any of this legal issue. Um, um, Derek Carr, I've got him at QB fifteen. 
kind of he finished 13 this past year. I got a couple of the younger guys that I bumped up ahead of him. Got him right in front of Jared Goff, right behind Baker Mayfield. What do you think? This is for Dynasty? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's too high. Too high. Okay. He's I mean, he he might we might lose his position this year, you know? So, and and you know, Baker's Baker's on the rise. So Baker should be he shouldn't be anywhere near Baker, in my opinion. Matt, you agree? Uh, I got him about 16. I got Baker at 13. Matt loves him. I love him. I still got him at 16. So we're pretty close. I, I mean, and honestly, I mean, we agree. None of the running back, I mean, none of the wide receivers really need to be in that top, you know, 36 or 40, right? They haven't been. They got Darren Waller. That's all they need. Yeah. One yeah. American crew. Well, with that, our very first show, the Spotlight Series on the team. We started with a great one, the Raiders. Awesome guests. Excited to have you, of course, as always, Matt. But it's fun to just be able to focus in and talk about the Raiders with you, hear your passion for the team. Sal, same with you. Always good to have a chance to talk to you, hear you talk. And uh, obviously, you love the Raiders. It's really cool to hear. So appreciate you having, appreciate you coming on. And you mentioned some of the things in the beginning. Just one more time, where can we find you? And, and uh, what are you working on? Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate Matt always and uh, and jumping on with you guys is always fun. Yeah, I, I you know I might be doing some stuff in the off season. We're gonna probably tomorrow probably be our our last TFS show of the year. Obviously, that just makes sense. Um, and then I'll just be hibernating a little bit and getting ready for rookie drafts and and draft season, which is is a lot of fun. Uh, I'll surface somewhere. I can't be off the air for too long because I just love myself a little bit too much. And I'll be planning obviously. The SFB Potathon, like we talked at the top, at SFB Potathon, at Salito FF. Those are the two places you can find me most. I would be remiss if I didn't say at FF Funhouse, which is my original home with Kevin and Steve. We don't record as much as we used to, but those guys will always be my podcast brethren, and we will do the Potathon together. Um, we're just looking to do bigger, bigger things this year with the Potathon. We hit forty-two thousand dollars last year, and we'd like to hit fifty plus this year. So amazing, Matt. You want to tell everybody what you have going on? Uh, you know what? Usually I have very little going on in my life. You know, uh, it's pretty quiet around here for the most part. Um, it's just a meter, mediocre 14 kids and hockey and coaching. And uh, other than that, uh, we've got some big things going on at the Dynasty Vipers there. we got a little bit of a rebranding on the website. If you've noticed the logos, the clean up, the uh, nice little Viperize, courtesy of our, our good friend there, Bob Gilcrest. He's kind of given us a little bit of graphics to make us look a little more professional in everything that we do. The website should be up and running a little bit a couple weeks after Super Bowl with a nice little look to it and functionality. Man, we've got obviously you're running this uh, nice little spotlight series, but we've got this behind the grind, which we're going to have to coax uh, Salito into coming and joining us. Uh, our first two shows we got in Eric Crocker and Graham Barfield. We got some more big names as we come down. You're going to want to stay tuned. You want to make sure you get into the YouTube here, like, subscribe, and make sure you get those notifications on because you're not going to want to miss these guests coming in. Uh, I think we've got 36 of them confirmed. And I have no idea why any of these people would want to talk to me. So that's <laughs> fantastic. Uh, and on top of that, uh, Sal talked about the SFB Potathon. And let's be honest, the SFB Potathon is one of the driving forces behind our FF honors that we run in December, which we take a look at all the charity that's going into the league. So we threw that FF honors together in about two weeks, short notice, just with idea. I was sleeping, kind of popped into my head. Now we've got a little bit of time to actually plan it a little bit in advance. So it's going to be kind of nice not to be so rushed. 
but there's, there's a lot of planning that still goes into that. And of course, we've got our IDP guys uh, draft magazine that we're working on right now. So, hey, man, if I and I'm sorry to jump in and make the show a little bit longer. Yeah. I can tell you anything. We planned that first potathon in less than a month, and yeah. we raised wow. we raised about forty two hundred dollars. Year three, we hit forty two thousand. So let me tell you, man, you'll you'll catch a groove on that. And I think it's an awesome thing that you do. Anybody who's doing anything for charity is is number one in my book. So I think that's awesome that you picked it up and I appeared on that. That what Kevin and Steve this year. Yeah, man, definitely get involved in charity through fantasy football, guys. Please. Yeah, I think we've a little bit of an extra charity aspect. Like you guys mentioned, and Sal, you're old like I am. Maybe we'll turn the FF honors into some sort of a telethon as well so we can raise a few extra bucks while the show is going on, just like the SFB potathon. So that would be amazing. Special thanks to Bob Gilchrist putting together a lot of stuff for us on the back end, of course, for all the Dynasty Vipers, for Matt, for Sal. We appreciate you guys hanging out. Go Raiders in 2021 until they face the Saints. That's all. So 